Welcome to the Vanessa G. Fitcast. If you think eating less is the answer to getting lean, or that you have to choose between having donuts and wine or having a body you love, well then, girl, you are in the right place. Chances are you've fallen victim to diet culture's terrible advice on how to eat and exercise. But don't worry, this podcast is going to bring you actionable information so you can start transforming your body without giving up your life. I'm Vanessa Gillette, founder and head coach of Vanessa G Fitness and Nutrition. This podcast was born from my passion for helping all women create bodies they feel confident in. Thank you for tuning in and trusting me to support and guide you. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Vanessa G Fitcast. I'm Vanessa Gillette Pozos, and here with me is my partner in crime, Omar Pozos. What's up, everybody? How is everybody doing today? Today, we are going to talk about a, a topic that actually came from you guys on Instagram. I actually put up a question box on my Instagram stories, and some questions and topics started rolling in. So I decided to take a suggestion from Erica, who wants to know about the effects of alcohol on hormone health. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to really share with you what you really need to know about alcohol and hormone health. You might be surprised there. And we're going to share some of our own kind of personal tips and stories of how we've cut back on drinking, what that's really been like for us today. So, you know, I think if you listened to last week's episode, I alluded to that we were going to the Morgan Wallen concert last oh, weekend. It was incredible. If you guys haven't seen him, go see him. He is such a fun uh, concert to go see. And yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, he's very, very talented. But, you know, that was something. So we were going with um, some friends and family. And it was one of those things where the concerts, you know, doors open at six. The concert really starts at seven. He wasn't going to come on until like nine. And of course, like most, you know, Americans getting ready for a awesome country concert, we all got together to pregame starting at like three. Yeah. And so it's it's funny when I reflected back on it, thinking about it on Sunday, it didn't even really occur to me until the day after that I was like, wow, you know, a few years ago, if we had been in a situation like that where we were going to a really awesome concert that we've been looking forward to for a very long time. We met up with a group of people at three o'clock with everybody already having drinks in hand. We hung out for a while pre-gaming and then we went to the Hard Rock Casino for more hanging out and then we went to the concert and then we ended up in the the VIP section because my sister Reagan always has the hookup. Shout so, out to Reagan. She hooked it up. So that was awesome. Yeah. And so then we, you know, go to the VIP section, which is like very easy access to a nice bar. And so then you're constantly getting asked like, oh, you want a drink or like, can I get you something? And then of course, you know, a nice long concert, which is just really incredible and not coming home until like 1230, I think on Saturday night, that really would have been the perfect storm for us. Not that long ago for us to definitely overconsume alcohol, definitely wake up Sunday morning, feeling hungover, you know, probably having regrets, probably even overeating afterwards because of the over drinking. Like it really would have been a perfect storm situation for us. And the thing is this time around, we had an incredible time. And without even really having to think too much about it, you and I only had like about three drinks each over the course of that entire, like, what was that? Like five nine hours, hours, nine hours. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I, I, five, didn't actually do I go five hours, nine hours. Somewhere <laughs> in there. We don't actually know. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people tend to think that they can't cut back on drinking. They can't drink less because they have a social life and they think that they just go hand in hand together. 
And something that I had a realization about not that long ago was that the reason that I tended to link the two together where I thought, well, if I'm going to be socializing, then I need to be drinking is because I was really using drinking as a buffer for emotions. Mm. I thought that alcohol was necessary for me to be likable, for me to be social, for me to be fun. And I thought it was just like a necessary ingredient for me to have a good time. And I didn't always even consciously think that, but subconsciously I did. And that's what would consistently lead me to getting into these situations where even if I said, oh, I'm going to cut back on drinking, I would end up getting there and I'd very easily fall victim to like, oh, well, now they offered me a drink. I have to take that offer. And now I'm uh, now I'm over consuming. Yeah. I think for me, my biggest thing was, you know, what are people going to say? Like are, what, if, if I don't take the drink, if I don't go get another drink, like people are going to talk, you know, about me or people are going to be like, oh my gosh, what a Debbie Downer or what a party pooper, whatever. Right. And I think it it took quite some time and, and we've shared shared about it on the podcast, but First of all, people aren't even thinking about you, right? And when you first start to realize that nobody really gives a crap if you're drinking or you're not drinking, it really sets a big sigh of relief for you and and really on what you think people are thinking about you. People are so concerned about their own life, about their own situation, about their own drinks that they're not even paying attention to you. So when I gave myself the permission of being like, you know what? I just don't want to do it or it's not even like I don't want to drink because I have something against drinking or anything like that. It's more about like, how do I want to feel the next morning? And that at, at when I kind of go back and, and almost like pull on the thread a little bit there and, and I give myself to permission to not even have to think about, you know, what are people thinking about me or anything like that? It just gives me a big sense of relief. And then I just do whatever I want to do because of how I want to feel the next morning, but also just what makes me happy and, and what I want to do in the moment, if that makes any sense. Exactly. Well, that's the reality of the things is people, you can't control how they think about you. And that's the reality is like, sure, even if that is a concern of like, I don't want people to think badly of me, like no matter what you do, you cannot control what other people think about you. All you can control is how you think about you and how you think about situations. And Mm, that's that's ultimately going to determine how you actually feel. So going back to the idea that like, I was using alcohol as this buffer for my emotions. So like I might feel anxious. I might feel nervous. I might feel self-conscious, whatever that is. It's like, okay, let me add alcohol here rather than addressing the fact that like, oh, why am I feeling this way? What are the thoughts that are coming up for me that are causing me to feel self-conscious in this group of people? Instead, I would just buffer that feeling, push it down by adding alcohol to dull those feelings. And so then it became this feedback loop of, oh, I feel this way. I need alcohol to dull the feeling and now I'm going to feel okay. Now I can push it down. I don't have to address it. But then the next time it comes up, I need to eat even more. The, I think the work that you and I have really done that we aren't even really <clears throat> acknowledging very much here, and I think you especially need to give yourself more credit for, is Please, the fact that we- tell me. Hype me up. <laughs> well, we've done a lot of mindset work yeah. over the last year, especially yeah. a, really a lot of thought work, a lot of bringing awareness to how our own thoughts dictate our feelings. And that really creates our reality. Yeah. And so I think it just ends up really bleeding over into these kinds of social situations without us even realizing it because we're more comfortable with our emotions. We can actually acknowledge, oh, I feel this way. What's the thought I'm having that's having me like causing me to feel this way? And then you can recognize what the thought is and then you can shift the thought. And then now the feeling kind of doles away on its own without having to add the buffer. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, I mean, I, I just want to say like, 
I get it. Drinking is a huge part of our social life. It's a big part of just the everyday American life. So I, I totally get it. it. I understand. And it's not us pointing fingers like you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. It's, you know, to each their own. If you enjoy drinking and you use it as a way to socialize, then by all means, have at it. And I funny, I just got off a call maybe 15, 20 minutes ago and we kind of went into something like this. But one of the things that I reminded the, the girl that I was talking to was, you know, and this has been huge for me, but at the end of the day, when you have a new identity or when you're trying to become a new person, you have to have new priorities, right? Because there's the you that, you know, likes to drink. There's the you that, you know, drinks for six hours, or there's the you that goes out to, you know, party with your friends. And then there's a you that you want to become. And that's what you have to think about because you have to draw that line in the sand and be like, hey, am I ready to be the person that I want to be or do I want to continue to do the things that I have been doing? And if you are ready to be the person you want to be, you have to step into that new identity. And with that new identity comes new priorities. And what I mean by that is, you know, how do you want to feel the next day? How do you want to continue to support, you know, your hormones, your health? And and really, do you really want to be that, you know, healthiest, best version of yourself that you can be, you know? And that's what you have to ask yourself. You just have to ask yourself the questions. Yeah. Well, so then let's dive into that a little bit because that's what I really want this podcast episode to be about is really revealing the truth behind the effects of alcohol on our hormone health. Because I think a lot of people are very black and white with it where they think, okay, I need to go on this hormone healing journey. I want to feel better. I want to have more energy. So I need to cut out alcohol completely. And you know, if that's your choice, not something that you want to do, I am absolutely not against you cutting out alcohol completely. I actually really admire the people that do that if they're doing it truly as a long-term thing. What I don't really encourage is when people do it for a period of time and then they kind of essentially fall off the wagon and they start over drinking because yeah. I've seen this. That pendulum of swinging from yeah, one end to the I've other. I've seen women end up in that cycle time and time again where it's actually much worse on your body. So that's where what we really encourage at VGFM with our clients is not to just cut things out cold turkey, but if we want to work on backing off of our alcohol intake, that can be really beneficial. And that's because- when it comes to hormonal imbalances, if we're experiencing some sort of hormonal imbalance, we're also probably experiencing feelings like stress, anxiety, depression, like these types of feelings that guess what? When we feel these feelings, what do a lot of women also do? They might reach for a glass of wine at the end of the night to kind of take the edge off, to kind of dull that feeling of anxiety, to lessen that feeling of stress. It's a sense of relief, basically, for a lot of people. It's it's a buffer. And so if we're turning to that glass of wine as our stress reliever, here's the kicker. Here's the thing. That glass of wine, it has shown that really every alcoholic drink can increase our estrogen by as much as 10%. And so these same women who are dealing with these feelings, whether they know it or not, they probably are dealing with a hormonal imbalance, which for many women is often estrogen dominance. So now we're having this drink to take the edge off, but that drink is raising our estrogen levels, increasing, like really worsening our estrogen dominance. So then we feel worse. We feel more anxious. We feel more stressed. We feel more depressed. Like it just ends up becoming this really terrible cycle. So that's why really it's not about, hey, let's cut out alcohol cold turkey because we want to improve our health. It's let's address why we're using alcohol. Why are we using it as a buffer? And what types of habit shifts and mindset shifts can we make to actually add in healthier ways of coping with those feelings while improving our hormone health to then lessen the feelings overall? Mm. And ultimately, it sounds like what you're saying, Vanessa, really it's, you know, cutting that loop or, or figuring out why it's, 
you're trying to really cope with alcohol and instead find other healthier ways to cope. And then if you still want to have a glass of wine as a socialization thing or just because you enjoy it, then by all means have it, but it's not a necessity or you're not depending on it, right? Exactly, exactly. And because alcohol, again, so it's going to affect your hormones. And like the biggest one I like to remind women of, of really every drink you have can be raising your estrogen levels by up to 10%. But also the obvious one that a lot of people understand is that alcohol does bog down the liver. Like people joke about that. Like, oh gosh, you know, I drank a lot this weekend. Like I need to be kind to my liver. liver. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is, yes, alcohol does affect your liver because alcohol at its Mm. core is a toxin on the body. So your liver has a lot of jobs. It's doing different things like clearing out excess hormones. But once that alcohol comes into the body, that becomes the liver's number one priority is we need to clear out all of this alcohol, all of this toxin so that we can get back to a stable, healthy place. So now you're drinking, you're putting your body into that phase where the liver is now focused on getting out the alcohol. What is the liver not doing then? It's not clearing out excess hormones. That can in and of itself also cause more hormonal imbalances. But then on top of that, now the alcohol is raising your estrogen levels. Your liver is busy. So it's basically like you're, you know, you're having a little like issue over here, but the person that you normally go to for help on that is like, sorry, I'm busy doing something else. And then just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. It's kind of like if you have like a house cleaner, right? And she's focusing on your bedroom, but yet you're making a mess in the kitchen and you're like, hey, come over here. And you're like, wait, why is the bedroom not taking care of it? You're like, well, you need to pick and choose. Like, do we need to, you know, we need to prioritize first the the biggest thing, which has been in this case, probably a little bit too much drinking, detox that. And then we can go back into detoxing the rest of your hormones that your body needs to get rid of. Is Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, alcohol, it also, it does affect your testosterone levels as well. So especially for women who may be dealing with PCOS or endometriosis, it can be even more detrimental than if we are drinking consistently because now we're drinking this alcohol, it's affecting our testosterone. And you might find that maybe during a month where you drink a lot that month, maybe you have a lot of parties, you have a lot of outings and you have some different occasions where you maybe overconsume, or maybe just for whatever reason that month you're having like one drink every single day, which is abnormal for you. You might find that in your next period, you're probably going to have worse cramps you're probably going to have greater mood swings leading up to your period. Um, you're probably going to just be more irritable overall. Your your normal PMS symptoms might be increased. So it's something to be aware of that it's not necessarily like, oh, I drank and tomorrow I'm a little bit hungover, but you know what? By Monday, I'm feeling better again. It's like, what is the effect going to be on the next month because we overconsumed? Yeah. And so I'm not trying to scare women into thinking that, oh, I can't drink at all. But it's just something that we have to be aware of the facts if we're dealing with these types of conditions and just understand that really there can be, there can be detrimental effects to everything we do. And so we need to find that balance, especially as women, because unfortunately another kind of, um, little fact drop I want to give here is that (laughs) fact drops, women and men do metabolize alcohol differently. Did you know that? I did not know that. No. But I can imagine if, you know, if our weight loss approach is very different than a woman's weight loss approach, I can imagine our body probably, yeah, feels a little bit differently, metabolizes alcohol a little bit differently and just, you know, it's, it's a whole different ballgame for guys and girls. Yeah. So it's, it's said that it has to do with the fact that 
women and men have a different water and fat composition in our body. So just like, you know, you, you already know how men can get to a lower body fat percentage than women. Right. Like men can get into single digits if they want to be super lean. Women need to get into like the teens if they want to be super lean. Like if you got into the single digits as a woman, you would be dying. Like yeah. not yeah. good, not healthy. Women need a certain amount of body fat. So the fact that women as a whole have a greater body fat percentage in their body, they actually essentially they retain alcohol in the body fat, which then makes it harder. So like you could have a woman and a man who are similar or the same weight, but because the women has less water and more fat, the alcohol is going to be retained more. So it's just going to be harder for essentially like the, the woman to clear it out of the bloodstream. And so, you know, we also metabolize alcohol slower overall. Um, we have just like essentially more of an intense physical effect, which I think this might not come as a surprise for a lot of people when it's like maybe your husband kind of like drink you under the table, like you try and keep up with him and he's probably going to be, yeah. you know, fine the next day and like, you're struggling. You're, yeah. What's going on, babe? Um, but basically what you're saying is it just has a, a much more... I guess, effect or has a longer effect that stays in your system a little bit longer. Therefore, your body feels, you know, the effects a little bit longer. Is that correct? Or am I understanding yeah. correctly? Yep. So really it, it comes down to the two things of like one being that women have more body fat in their mm -hmm. body and less water. So, so essentially women have less water and more fat, which the fat tends to retain that alcohol over time. And then as far as like the actual more acute effect of this, women also essentially produce less of a, a hormone that helps metabolize alcohol. So men actually can produce more of that. So men actually can metabolize it more quickly. Women just struggle a little bit more. Got it. Unfortunately. So there's a lot of different ways that alcohol does affect your hormone health. So if you already are dealing with a hormonal imbalance, it's one of those things where we just want to understand the effects that we can make educated decisions. You can also use this knowledge and this information to help support your decision making. Maybe you do decide that you want to cut back. You can share this with somebody. You can say, hey, I'm actually working on improving my hormone health right now. And like, did you know that actually alcohol affects your estrogen levels? And so it's not so much a oh, your friend is asking you to drink and you're just like, oh, I'm not drinking. And now they're like pushing you and be like, oh, come on, like drink with me, whatever. Like instead you can share information with them and you can explain to them of like, oh, I'm actually working on improving my hormone health because I've been feeling X, Y, Z. And then people more would just find that more interesting more understandable. Yeah. and they understand it and they want to be part of the conversation. They aren't taken aback or offended or anything like that. And here's the thing. Worst comes to worst, you guys, if you're, if you're looking for an out, if you're looking for an excuse, blame it on the Vanessa G fake has to be like, look, I listened to this episode. Vanessa Nomar said that it's going to help my hormones. So I'm following their lead. So if you have any problems, blame it on them. And <laughs> we'll gladly take the blame off your hands. So don't worry about it. Just put it on us. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, let's, let's address the question again of like, there's still always many people that say, well, should I just cut out alcohol? Would that be best for me just to go ahead and cut it out while I'm working on my hormone health? The thing is we just have to be careful with that because like Omar said earlier, alcohol for a lot of people is part of their social activities. It can be a part of socialization. And so for a lot of people that then decide, well, I'm going to cut out alcohol cold turkey, that typically ends up resulting. And I know because I've been there at certain times in my life when I thought, okay, I'm just going to completely cut out alcohol. What would happen is I would then just also cut out socialization or I might socialize, but then I would just be like this like miserable person because I'd be like internally like, ugh. 
can't believe these people are drinking and I can't drink. And like, I would just create these stories in my head. It wasn't me making a decision of like, oh, I am choosing not to drink today and I'm happy with that and I can still socialize. I would end up just putting myself in this like, oh, because I'm dealing with this thing, I can't drink and this sucks. And I would just use this language within myself that would exacerbate these feelings of essentially like seclusion of make resulting in me wanting to just like completely pull away from my social life. And socialization is also super important to hormone health. I was just going to get into that. If you use that as your stress reliever, if you use that as an outlet for you and, and talking to people like gives you energy, like then by all means, keep doing it because that's what your body needs and that's what you enjoy, you know? So it's not good to cut it off completely. So I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I, I was literally just thinking that. Yeah. I mean, socialization has been shown to increase progesterone levels. So if we now say, oh, I'm going to cut out alcohol completely, but I'm also now going to be just completely hibernating and not hanging out with friends anymore at all because I need to avoid alcohol. I need to be away from it completely. You may end up actually just uh, like not bettering yourself at all anyway, because now you're not having those positive effects of socialization. And like I was saying, estrogen dominance, typically that's when we have too much estrogen and not enough progesterone. So now we want to actually socialize to help increase our progesterone, but we don't want to necessarily over drink and raise our estrogen and just make everything worse. Yeah. And here's it is the a thing, balance. you know, you, yeah, that's what it is. You have to find the balance because you have to do the things that you enjoy doing. But also if you have, you know, hormone issues, if you have some body goals, comp- uh, you know, uh, fitness goals that you want to achieve, then you have to m- pick and choose your battles and, and make sure that you, you know, do what works best for you. It's, it's the analogy that we've shared here before. Like if you are driving a car and one of your car, one of your uh, tires goes flat, you're not going to get out and poke the other three out and be like, oh, now I have four flat tires, right? It's let's address the one thing that's not keeping that it's not helping us get us to where we want to go address that have find that balance and then things will be able to move forward the car will be able to get you to where you want to go exactly and so that's where really like my analogies today i love your analogies (laughs) but i mean individualized coaching is so important because we have to really look at where you are at what you are doing and be able to understand what are the necessary steps that you need to take in from your current situation to step by step by step, get to where we want to be. And a lot of times women take the wrong steps or they take too many steps and they just end up setting themselves backwards. So for most people, what I would encourage you to do is evaluate what is your current normal when it comes to alcohol? Are you somebody who every single night you like to open up a a bottle of wine, maybe pour yourself a glass and just kind of have that one glass of wine every night to take the edge off? If so, if that's your normal, that's your baseline, then how can we work on just cutting back a little bit, reducing that? Maybe that means for you, you're going to commit to doing every other night having that glass of wine. And rather than saying, okay, cold turkey, the nights that I'm not drinking, I'm just not going to drink. And now I'm like dealing with like these cravings and these feelings that's really hard and terrible. Instead, can we replace it with a new habit that's actually hormone supporting? So like I like to encourage women, let's make a nice mocktail at night that's really hormone supporting that includes pomegranate juice and tart cherry juice and different things that are actually really, really beneficial for our hormone health. And that way you can maintain the habit, but replace it with something that's actually helping you. So you don't feel like you're missing out. You don't feel 
you know, you don't have the craving, like you're just replacing it with a new habit. Instead of just like cutting out a habit and trying to do nothing, we want to replace it with a new habit. Honestly, sometimes those mocktails are so good. Like remember when we used to do our mocktail margaritas and like on a nice summery drink or nice summery drink, nice summery <laughs> night, just have a nice cool drink that just sip on. Maybe you read a book. Maybe you hang out with your best uh, friend and husband, Omar. And yeah, it just makes your afternoon. Yeah, perfect sun- summer to me. Yeah. But, you know, again, like let's say maybe your normal is that you don't really drink that often. But when you do drink, you know, maybe it's like once every two weeks you go out with your friends, you go out to dinner and you have a lot of drinks. Maybe you have like six or seven drinks in that one sitting. And that's kind of like your usual pattern. So for somebody like you, if that's your normal, that's your usual, what can we do to reduce that? Maybe we just commit to on those nights where you typically find yourself having six or seven drinks, we're going to space out those drinks by... So you can do what Omar and I typically do, which we call the one-to-one water and alcohol rule, where essentially every drink we have, we need to have at least that much water following or with the drink before we can have another drink. And that way we slow it down, we space it out, and we just don't consume as much in that same period of time. Because again, we don't want to say, okay, you're going to go from six to seven drinks to three to four drinks. But during those periods where you don't have a drink, and your friends go to order another and they're like, hey, you want another? And now you have to explain yourself. And you know, now you're empty handed. And now you feel awkward. And now you're creating these thoughts and these feelings that make you want the alcohol even more. Instead, let's replace it with something else. Let's get ourselves a mocktail. You can go to the bar, order a seltzer water, ask for a couple limes. Maybe you can even like some bars, like you could get like some mint or something to put in it and make it even prettier, make it even more fancy and fun. Yeah. Like I do club soda and lime and and I get it with my drink because then I have one to sip on and then the other one to just kind of drink on. But again, I'll drink my alcoholic drink, then I'll drink my club soda and things are great. Yeah. But I guarantee you, if you're drinking a seltzer with like a lime in it or something, it looks like a you know, vodka vodka soda soda, and nobody questions you and you have something in your hand. It makes you feel confident. And if you already had, you know, your other drink, it's not like you're completely sober to where you feel completely like zero to 60 and you're just totally left out. It's a nice way to ease it back. So, I mean, those are just two examples, but it's really just evaluate what is your normal. And if this is something where you're saying, I want to improve my hormone health, I want to improve my body composition. I want to improve my mental health. It can be a great thing for you to work on cutting back a little bit taking those small baby steps time after time. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Just say, okay, what is my normal? How could I improve that a little bit the next time? And then try and make that a habit. And once you get there, then you could say, okay, you know, I like this. Maybe I'm going to work on improving this even more because I'm realizing I actually feel even better without drinking. Small little changes. And if you want some like additional motivation for cutting back, because I know a lot of women, and this is speaking to my younger self included, a lot of times the reasons why I didn't want to cut back was because a lot of the people that I was friends with or people I admired or different things, I would look at people who I liked and I wanted to be like, and I would see that they drank. And so then I would think, well, if they drink, then, you know, I feel like I can't be different from them and be going down the path of not drinking or drinking less. So I want to offer you up a few examples of women that you might admire that also do not drink. So for one, Blake Lively, I freaking love Blake Lively. She does not drink. She actually, um, I was reading a quote from her where she said, I don't drink. I've never tried a drug. It's not like I decided on these strict lifestyle choices and I'm enforcing them. It's just something that I genuinely don't have a desire for. Another one, Drew Barrymore. And she was one that she said, there is one thing we have control over and it is our behavior, our reaction, our patterns, the cycles we need to break, the way we treat people and how we process all of it that we put out there. 
now working from that space, that's changed so much for me. And then there's like actually a bunch of other celebrities. I was looking at a list. Vanessa was, Gillette. Oh, yeah, Vanessa Gillette. <laughs> well, she does drink, but moderately. <laughs> no, but um, Jennifer Hudson doesn't drink. Jada Pinkett Smith doesn't drink. Bella Hadid doesn't drink. Like there's a lot of examples. If that is something where you're finding that that's a block for you, is that maybe the people in your life who you admire, they do drink, they drink a lot, and that makes it hard for you. Instead, look for examples, look for evidence of the opposite and remind yourself of those women. And if you are wanting to work on cutting back your drinking, I find it can be really helpful to have at least a more macro-friendly option in mind for your drink. So if you want our macro-friendly cocktail list, which is something that we give to our clients, just shoot me out a DM that says cocktail recipes, and you can DM that to me on Instagram or Facebook, and I will share that with you as a thank you for listening through to this podcast. And now with summer right around the corner, it's a great, great tool to have in your belt to just have something fun and delicious to sip on. I love it. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Do us that favor. Share it on your Instagram story. Get the word out. But we will be back next week with another great episode. See you guys. Thanks for listening. If you learned something today, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review in iTunes. And if this particular episode resonated with you, do me a favor and take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag me at Vanessa G Fitness so I can show you some love. All right, my carb queens, talk to you in the next episode.